Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Welcome into another edition of Ticket to the Bank. As always, I have my co-host Vasily Loricos with me, and we've got a ton to talk about. We've got a great game of the week, the Ravens versus the Saints. Everything's good. Can't wait to see this game. Definitely the game of the week. The eyes across the nation are going to descend upon Baltimore to see the number one scoring offense face the number one scoring defense this Sunday. Absolutely, and this is such a great matchup because it seems like these two teams are kind of built to play each other. Unfortunately, I think the Saints have the edge, but Baltimore's strength is their defense and New Orleans' strength is their offense, so it's going to be another high-octane offense versus another high-octane defense. So we saw this in Pittsburgh, and in Pittsburgh, the Ravens won that game and their defense were dominant, especially in that second half, but the question is, can they replicate that performance? It's going to be a challenge. There's no question about that. I think more importantly... This Week 7 matchup is setting up to be somewhat of a swing game for the Ravens. If they can pull off the win here, they're in good shape carrying some momentum into a stretch of likely pivotal divisional home games. If they lose, however, the season could start getting away from them a little bit. So uh, it's a huge game, and uh, the Ravens are going to be, have to be up to the challenge, the coaching staff, the players across the board. Absolutely, and we know the Saints are, are kind of a different team. That the, the numbers, even Drew Brees himself, the numbers tell a totally different story. That at home they are just absolutely dominant, and on the road it's it, it sometimes isn't the case. What, what are the trends for this matchup? So the Saints are coming off their bye week. They're going to be well rested. Sean Payton, New Orleans head coach, is seven and two, seven wins compared to two losses post bye since 2019 and the odds makers expect a relatively high scoring game the point total is set at about 50 points the Ravens are two and a half point favorites as we speak and they sport an impressive five and one all-time record against the Saints but this is not one of those games that they can put on cruise control after establishing an early lead as they have in most of their wins so far this season that's the thing, and that's the key. That, that's the key for Baltimore's offense because we've seen they get out to an early lead. The defense just plays great football, and then the offense kind of just starts running the ball, kind of just trying to milk the clock too much. And you can't do that against this Saints team because they can score will at almost any single time, and they can put up a lot of points on the board in a short amount of time. So it's going to be very key for Baltimore's offense to keep up. And that's my fear for them: is can they keep up? But let, let, let's talk about when the Ravens have the ball. I think that this this Saints defense is a little bit underrated. Like last year, I think they got off to a very slow start, but they have a very stout secondary with Marshawn Lattimore. Obviously, everyone knows Marcus Williams as well. Everyone's going to know him for that one play he made in the playoffs, but he's a damn good player. And then up front, I mean, 
Cameron, Cameron Jordan, Alex Okafor, I mean, and Sheldon Rankins. I mean, they've got some playmakers up there. And Marcus Davenport is kind of emerging as well. So this is a very stacked defense that, that honestly is getting underrated. I agree. They are an underrated defense. They have some very nice pieces. And surprisingly, New Orleans has the number one run defense in the NFL. It is not solely because their formidable offense forces teams to pass. Their run D is number one in both yards per carry and yards per game. So ideally, the Ravens would want to employ a run-first uh, offense and scheme and game plan for this game to keep the ball out of Drew Brees' hands, but I'm not so sure that's going to work. As we know, the Ravens have not been an efficient running offense this year. Now, maybe that changes if the offensive line is reconfigured without Alex Lewis, who appears doubtful to play. But I believe the Ravens' rushing attack will not be much of a factor. Marty is going to have to run a little bit early to make sure they at least respect play action. But I think this matchup demands another pass-first game plan. Yeah, and can we talk about the running game for a second? Because I put it out in my film piece. Schematically, they got to fix it. They've really got to fix this running game because relying on your tight ends to block in theory is great when you have guys like Nick Boyle, Max Williams, who are pretty good blocking tight ends. However, when you ask them to block premier three techs and five techs and outside linebackers, when they're in horrible positions, that's just not going to work ever. You know what I mean? So they've got to fix the scheme and they got to work on when they run these inside zone and outside zone plays, not to have their tight ends block the key players. Like they were trying to have Nick Boyle block Jarrell Casey. Jarrell Casey is getting by most tackles in this league, most guards, let alone a, a measly tight end. You know what I mean? Like you have, and even if you're going to do that, which is fine because you can do wham concepts, things like that, and traps and things like that. And that makes sense. I understand that. But you have to put them in a position and, and line them up in a spot where they're going to have an advantage over these players instead of lining them up in a poor position where they've got to kind of chase these guys. That's just not going to work. I agree. That was a, a head scratcher when that play where they pulled, uh, what was it, Boyle on Casey. Um, I, you know, schematically, the Saints are on a 43. So I don't know how effective the Ravens are going to be running outside against that front. I think they may be better off trying to run a little bit more on the interior with some some power concepts against their linebackers who are probably the weakness of their team. But when the Ravens are attempting to pass the ball, which I expect they're going to have to do a lot in this game, they're going to have to watch out for the Saints pass rushers, Davenport, Rankins, as you mentioned, and especially Cameron Jordan coming off that right side. They can really get after the quarterbacks. And the Saints also do a great job on tight ends. They have those two young safeties, Von Bell and Marcus Williams. They have really pretty much shut out tight ends this season. And Marcus Lattimore, last year's defensive rookie of the year, is expected to return from injury to be their number one corner. Fortunately, New Orleans' other corners are a major liability. Ken Crawley, in particular, has been a major reason why their defense has allowed nearly 300 passing yards and three passing touchdowns per game this season. Willie Sneed also has an exploitable matchup from the slot against P.J. Williams and his former team. And really, I think Flacco needs to put a bullseye on Crawley when he is covering either Crabtree or John Brown. 
Well, that's the, that's kind of the thing. It's interesting that you said that because that was in my notes. I think you're stealing my notes. But I think inside zone concepts and trap concepts are going to work well. I mean, Sheldon Rankins is a very r- good run stuffer as well, and, and not a lot of people give him credit for that. But the other thing is I, I think that you, if you run these trap concepts where you're pulling guards, you have to find ways to trick these guys because they are a, they're the best run defense in football. They're very good at penetrating and, and clogging up holes. So you have to show them different looks. You had to run trap concepts inside zones. I mean, I think you still have to attempt to go outside, even though I don't think you're going to have much success doing so. I think you just got to show them different looks in different ways. I mean, I wouldn't mind interest, uh, uh, different concepts like pitches. You know what I mean? I think you just have to be creative with your running game, and that's going to be the key for Marty Morningwig. In terms of passing the ball, like you mentioned, I think you have to target their their, their linebackers in, in space whenever because they, they run zones, they run mans, they, they man coverage as well. So they kind of they kind of trick you a little bit, and they run a lot of combo coverages as well. So pretty much what that is is one side of the field might be running a zone and the other side of the field will be running man coverage. Usually Lattimore is in man coverage and the other side is usually in zone. So I think what they're going to do is they're going to run some com- uh, some form of combo coverage where John Brown is going to be on the – wherever John Brown is, that side's probably going to be zone. And then the other side – because they, they want safety help for John Brown because obviously he's a deep threat. And then the other side's going to be man coverage. Or they might trust Lattimore because I've seen him sometimes where they'll have him kind of just shadow a receiver. And if they trust him to guard John Brown, they might do that as well. But – it's going to be interesting to see what they got to do, but I think the Ravens, as always, I mean, these are some pretty stout corners. I think, I think, like we've been saying for six weeks now, if they if they show you a lot of man coverage, you have to run high low concepts, you have to run pick plays, you have to run, you have to scheme these wide receivers open because I really question whether or not the Ravens receivers are going to be able to win their one on one matchups. But the, but the biggest key to me, and I think this is going to decide the game, is going to be Willie Sneed. I think if, because Patrick Robinson's out for the season, I think if they can get Willie Sneed to, to be successful from the slot, if he can produce plays and kind of win win his matchup in the slot, I think that's going to help move the chains for this offense. And that's going to be the key because I'm not so sure they have an answer for Sneed in the slot. It's interesting you mentioned their combo coverage. Maybe you run some deep crossers. Uh, and then and then have, try to free up Snead underneath and cause a little confusion. But you know, New Orleans has a very good offense. You know, maybe the best offense in the entire league. We're gonna have to have good Marty Morningwig in this game. He's gonna have to scheme up some things. We're gonna have to have good Joe Flacco. He's gonna need to start fast. And I think they're gonna have to hit some deep shots to John Brown downfield to keep pace against this really versatile, diverse, scary offense. Well, that's the, and that's the biggest thing is you and like we said in the intro is you have to stay aggressive like they're, they're not playing the Steelers they're not I mean I know the Steelers have a pretty good offense but you can't rely on, on ball on their defense to just shut out the Saints in the second half because honestly I, I think that this is the game where the streak gets broken I think a second half touchdown by the Saints is gonna happen I, I mean I'd be so, I'd be shocked if it didn't but I think that you really have to keep put the pedal to the metal you have to stay aggressive and you have to score points early and often because otherwise you're going to be out of this game early and honestly I question if Baltimore's offense can keep pace with the Saints offense if it becomes a shootout like if this game was in New Orleans honestly I think the Saints Saints will win by 20 points I think the fact that it's in Baltimore gives the Ravens obviously an advantage but seriously I'm, I'm worried about their offense keeping pace well let's flip to the other side of the ball now in the marquee matchup in this one is, is obviously between statistically two of the best units in the entire NFL, New Orleans offense, Ravens defense. Future Hall of Fame quarterback Drew Brees is playing ridiculously well in 2018 with a 77.9 completion percentage and 11-0 to 
touchdown to interception ratio. Breeze is an absolute surgeon on the gridiron. Incredible accuracy, sharp pre-snap reads, and a lightning-quick release. The Saints also have perhaps the best pair of pass-blocking tackles in the league in Teron Armstrong and Ryan Ramchek. The Ravens are not going to come anywhere close to their sack totals from recent weeks in this game. Breeze is just too good and too smart, but hopefully Zadarius Smith and Willie Henry can provide enough interior pressure to prevent Breeze from going off. Here's the thing. And Brett Coleman, uh, he does he does videos for uh, YouTube, whatever. Uh, he's very good at NFL breakdowns. He kind of talked about what the Ravens do, and I watched this video, and I kind of agreed with his take because he said what the Ravens do is – essentially his point was that the Ravens – they just confuse you because they crowd the line of scrimmage and they send some guys, they leave others there. And that's like the key. And that was key to their success. And his whole take was that when they played experienced quarterbacks, they got beat. And when they played inexperienced quarterbacks, they didn't get beat. They didn't get beat, obviously, and they confused them and they generated good results. However, he didn't talk about the Steelers game and how the Ravens shut down Big Ben in that second half. So that was like my kind of only argument or, or objection to his take. But, but I digress by saying... I think that you're not going to show Breeze something that he hasn't seen before. That's that that Breeze has been in the league way too long. He's too much of a savvy veteran. And like you said, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're not going to confuse him. He's going to know what you're going to see. So you're going what you're going to have to do is just hope that your your interior linemen and your linebackers can can and your edge guys specifically Sugg, Smith whoever can create pressure, can generate that because he gets the ball out quick. I think he's the least hit quarterback through 6 7 weeks or whatever it is. So he's going to get the ball out quick and you have to stay you have to have integrity in your zone coverage because if you run zone, which I think I think you're going to run, I think they're also going to run a little combo coverage. Combo coverage in, in terms of Michael Thomas's side, you're going to run some zones, then you're going to run man coverage on the other side. Or you might just run straight man. I'm not really sure if you trust Jimmy Smith to guard Michael Thomas. I certainly don't, but that's just me. I think either way, you're going to have to have some zone integrity because Breeze is going to find tight windows and he's going to try to do it. So you have to take advantage of that and you have to stay in your zones and you have to, and whenever he makes a mistake, because he's going to make a couple but he's not going to make a lot. You have to take advantage of his mistakes because we've seen that this team, they, they've struggled to create a turn, a lot of turnovers. And you mentioned it in our, in our last episode, it's kind of as a concern for you. And I agree. I think you're going to have to create turnovers because if not, they're going to win. For sure. No question. Michael Thomas is Bree's top target. And Thomas is having an all pro caliber season. I do think Jimmy Smith is capable of marking him one-on-one you know, Jimmy's now had two games to get back into game shape. He is one of the best cover corners in the league. He is one of the highest played players on the Ravens roster. And this is the type of game you need him for. He does have the physicality to disrupt Thomas at the line in press coverage. And he also has that length to make those throwing windows smaller. Um, so I think they're going to have to mix up their coverages, a little bit of both. And definitely, tell me if you disagree, Logan, but I think when Michael Thomas slides into the slot, you have to have either Jimmy Smith or Marlon Humphrey follow him into that zone because if not, he's going to eat Tavon Young alive. That I agree with I th- I, because we saw the Bengals do that, right? They put A.J. Green in the slot and they drew a matchup with Tavon Young and A.J. Green just completely bullied him. And I think that you're going to have to either take Tavon Young off the field in, in some situations or you're just going to have to have Tavon go to the outside and go somewhere else. I mean, let's face it, Ted Ginn, Ted Ginn Jr., another solid receiver for them. Now he's on the IR, so they don't have a lot of depth at that receiver position. I mean, Trey Collins Smith was a rookie that both of us were pretty fond of, but at this point he's a little bit unproven. So and and let's face it, Ben Watson isn't what he once was. So I, I think at this point 
really your key should be stopping Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram and then stopping Michael Thomas. In some order that way, maybe it's a little bit of a different order, but I think you have to stop those guys first. And the, the key is yak. I mean, these guys are yak monsters. So you have to find a way to stop them from tackle, break down, get good, tack, get good tackling form, and, and, fin- and finish the play. You can't miss tackles against, against the Saints. Otherwise, you're going to lose by 40. Bingo. Bingo. You nailed it. At rookie, the rookie receiver, Traquan Smith, does concern me a little bit. He is developing into a good player. He's got a lot of physical attributes. And I think the Ravens do need to focus on him a little bit. But power back Mark Ingram on the ground does not scare me with Brandon Williams, Michael Pierce, and Jefferson, and, and the whole gang stuffing the run. And former Ravens tight end Ben Watson definitely doesn't scare me either. But you know who does scare me? Alvin Kamara. He is a mismatch against every team in the league with his speed and elusiveness out of the backfield. He can take any touch to the house. And hopefully Kenny Young can lead what's going to need to be a team effort to contain the scat back. I think they need to really focus on preventing his yak, as you mentioned. And if the Ravens are getting pass rush, that's he's going to be Breeze outlet, and you need to prevent him from making getting those chunk plays, those splash plays, and taking a five-yard pass 40, 50 yards downfield. The thing with Kamara that's so interesting, and now it's really scary because we saw in the Redskins game where he didn't get that many touches because they had Mark Ingram coming back, and Mark Ingram kind of stole some of his carries. But the, but the thing that you have to you have to look at is he's so slippery, and he's such a mismatch when, when they line him out wide that I I think the only guy that can do it is Kenny Young. I mean, Tony, I think Tony Jefferson's too slow, to be honest with you. I think Eric Weddle's too slow for him. I think Kenny Young's the only guy that can that can remotely stay with him. And and I don't know if Kenny Young is going to be on the field that often because we saw they did a little bit of split. But if it were me, Kenny Young starting this game, and he's on the field almost every single play because he's got to be able to guard, guard Ivan Kamara because I don't think C.J. Mosley has the speed either. No, Mosley has proven he does not have the speed it's going to be the Ravens need contributions from the rookies in this game for sure. Kenny Young on defense and then on offense, Hayden Hurst. Hopefully he starts getting some more, making some more impact plays. And then hopefully Orlando Brown gets a start at right tackle. If not, Bradley Bozeman, I guess, will get to start at left guard. But they're going to need some plays from the rookies for sure. If I were to, and, and this is kind of like a, a, a big picture question. This, this isn't just focusing on this game, but this is a big picture question. If I were to tell you seven weeks ago and say, hey, the Ravens are 4-2 and two and they're heading into a crucial match with, matchup with the Saints and we both think that it's a swing game, well, how would you feel about your chances? Because we thought, I mean, my predictions at this point, the Ravens were not 4-2 and two in, my, in my season prediction at this point in time. I don't think in your season prediction they were 4-2 and two at this point either. So they've got to be feeling good heading into this game and... and I don't know how anyone can feel bad about it because you're you're, you're four and two, and even if you lose this game, you're four and three. I think then that if they lose this game, I think that puts a lot of pressure to go to Carolina and win and win in Carolina. But either way, I, I think the Ravens have to be feeling good being four and two right now, considering their schedule and considering the fact that they've already played three, all three of their AFC North road games. Undoubtedly, that's the key. All the AFC North games have been on the road. Really, I think what's going to decide the season. Not, I mean, this game's a big game for sure. But the two games on either side of the bye, Pittsburgh at home, Cincinnati at home. It's a tight race for the division. If you now win those two games, you have a nice lead in the division and a nice base to build out, to flesh out the rest of the season. And then you're, you're, you're thinking about potentially maybe even getting a bye in the playoffs. But you have to go one game at a time. 
And if they win this game, I think you're feeling very, very good about this season. I think that Browns game, though, is going to haunt them for sure. Not just because of how bad they played, but I think it's going to haunt them because that when we saw last year how the Bears game really hurt them in their playoff chances, I think the the Browns game could kind of have a similar impact, but... We'll, hopefully it doesn't. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of move forward and we'll see what happens with that. But let's go to our final prediction. Well, the Saints are a great team. I expect to see them facing off against the Rams in the NFC Championship game come January. Nonetheless, I do believe that the home field advantage really greatly benefits the Ravens a lot in this game. The Saints are not nearly as explosive outside in the elements and the weather has turned a bit in Baltimore this week. So that helps even further. I also think this defense has the pieces to slow down Breeze and company. Not stop them, but slow them down. And then Marty and Wink, they're going to have to dig into their playbooks and come up with some of those plays that they usually save the deception for bigger games against Pitt, Pittsburgh and New England and what have you to really knock off this juggernaut. So my bold prediction is Breeze will not throw his 500th career touchdown or on Sunday, or knock off the Ravens for the first time in his career. I'm taking the Ravens 23, Saints 21. Okay. Um, I'm going to disagree. My bold prediction is that, and it's not bold, is that Breeze is going to throw his 500th touchdown pass. Um, he, I mean, he only needs one more, and I, I think he's going to throw at least one. I also think the Saints are going to come in. I know they're not the same team on the road, but I, I think they're going to win. I think it's going to be kind of a shootout. I think the, Sa- uh, the Saints are going to win 35-31. I think that the story of this game is going to be the Ravens' offense is going to be too one-dimensional. I think that they're not going to have any success running the ball. Flacco's going to have to throw it 50-plus times. We've seen how that doesn't work for the Ravens. I think it's going to be a horrible game offensively, even though they put up 31 points. I think there's going to be a lot of points left on the board, and I think defensively the Ravens are going to get exposed. Um, I think this defense is very talented, but I think that they're going to have to work on some schematic issues because I think Don Wink Martindale's aggressiveness for the first time this season may bite him. That's going to be the issue, and that's going to be the, the story that we're talking about next week. Is is, is he Should he continue being as aggressive as he is because it could ha- it could hurt them down the road. Um, let's get to around the NFL. What what do we what big matchups we got? We saw the the Broncos completely dismantle the Cardinals on Thursday night football. Uh, Josh Rosen looked absolutely awful behind that horrible offensive line. He actually got hurt on the final series, but the Broncos look good after losing four straight. Kind of seems like they always do this. They start out hot, then they go on a big losing streak. Uh, they're three and four now. Vaughn Miller was right. He said they're going to beat the crap out of him, and they beat the crap out of him. Rosen, uh, he had his uh, welcome to the NFL moment, that's for sure. That was a tough game to to follow. But looking ahead to the Sunday slate, probably the biggest game in the AFC is Sunday night football. The Bengals are going to travel to Arrowhead to meet the Chiefs. Should be an exciting game. Two of the top teams in the conference. I do expect another huge game from both Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd, but since these defensive backs are banged up currently, and I believe Andy Reid at home is going to take Marvin Lewis to school, I think KC wins and KC covers. Disagree with you. I think the Chiefs always do this. I think the Chiefs are 
they always start out, they're just like the Broncos, man. They always start out hot. They always look like the best team in football. Everyone's always talking about them, and then they kind of choke. And I think Mahomes is different. Don't get me wrong. Mahomes is playing at an insane level. He showed me a lot, even in that loss to New England. I mean, the way that he battled, the way that they came back, and they almost won that game. But I, I still have questions about this defense, and I think this defense is absolutely atrocious. And I'm excited to see how this Bengals defense kind of attacks the Chiefs' offense. Because I know that the Chiefs have played a couple of premier defenses before, but I, I'm not sure if they've seen anything quite like this defense before and this defensive line. So that's the matchup I'll be watching is, is uh, Kansas City's offensive line versus Cincinnati's defensive line. And I think Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson, and the rest of the and the rest of the boys kind of kind of have a great day. And I, th- I think the Bengals roll. Actually, I think that I think the Bengals are going to win by double digits. To be honest with you. Wow, that's bold. That's very bold. Another game that has some significance to the AFC North is the Browns, who are going to go on the road to face the high-scoring Bucks, The Bucks secondary is dreadful, but they do have a decent front seven. Cleveland's receivers also are dropping way too many balls. And Joe Scobert, uh, who's really the heart of that defense at, at inside linebacker, is now out long-term with a hamstring injury. Jameis Winston now has an elite receiving corpse with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, really some big, tall targets who can who can beat that coverage from the Browns. I think the Browns' slide will continue. I'm taking the Browns again. I'm going against you once again. I think that the, the Bucks are, are absolutely awful. They're 2-3, and three and I, without Fitzmagic, they're they're 0-5, um, to be honest with you. But I, I think that the Bengals' defense collapsed last week. It was, it was weird to see them to see them get steamrolled by the Chargers, but I think the Browns' defense is much better than that showed. I, even without Scobert, I still think that this is a very good good group, and I, I question. I have questions about this Bucks offensive line. I think Miles Garrett's going to have a field day. I think that the, I think Denzel Ward is going to get an interception. I think this defense kind of tightens up against this Bucks offense that, like you said, does have some elite weapons. And I think Baker Mayfield is going to shred this horrible Bucks defense that fired their defensive coordinator earlier in the week. Uh, what do you What do you think about this Patriots Bears matchup? I think the Patriots are going to continue to to gain some momentum. The Bears defense, which was really carrying their team, did not play well last week, and now Khalil Mack is injured, and he may be he was playing as at a defensive player of the year level. The Patriots are, are probably going to play a lot of man coverage and force Trubisky into some mistakes. So I'll take New England. I agree with you. I'm taking New England. I think the Bears are a little bit overrated. I think their defense is solid, but that offense, I have a lot of questions about it. Even though Matt Nagy is known for his offense, I, I have questions about Mitch Trubisky. I don't think he's the the player that everyone's making him out to be. I just have a lot of questions. I have too many questions about the Bears team to, to for them to upset the Patriots. And, and the matchup that I really want to see is this Texans-Jaguars game. Who are the real Jaguars? They're 3-3. Three and three. They've looked awful in some games. I mean, they just got boat raced by the Cowboys 40-7, to seven, but they've had other great moments there in the season. I think that the key for them is can Blake Bortles find success against a pretty good Texans defense? I think Jacksonville's defense will bounce back this week, mostly because Houston's offensive line is horrendous. And I do think Bortles will also find a way to get the ball into the hands of D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole, his two best receivers. I think Jacksonville wins this pivotal game in the NFC South race and takes a lead in the division. 
I agree with you. I know Houston's on a three-game winning streak. They've kind of battled back after starting out 0-3, but this offensive line is horrible. I mean, Deshaun Watson is under pressure every single play, and this Jacksonville defense, it, they have a lot of playmakers on there on that side of the ball. They just have to work on... I don't know what it was against the Cowboys. I, I, I just couldn't figure it out. I, I watched the tape, and I'm still confused as to what happened. They were just getting beat. It was just uncharacteristic of this team to get beat deep the way that they did. Um, my boy Michael Gallup had a nice old 27-yard reception, but I don't think that's going to repeat itself. I think this. I think Jalen Ramsey finally stopped talking, and he's finally getting back to work. So I think I think the Jags, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to roll. Uh, the the other matchup I want to talk about is this pivotal, and, and I, I say pivotal in some sort of sarcasm, but Cowboys Redskins first place for the NFC East. Who are you taking? I don't have a great read on this game, to be honest. Dallas is uh, is much better at home than they've been on the road. Neither of these offenses really inspire much confidence. I'm going to go out on a limb and take the Cowboys because their defense is playing at a very high level, but I don't have a great deal of confidence in that pick. I'm taking the Cowboys as well. This defense with or without Sean Lee is is actually under another underrated group. I mean, they, they have Byron Jones who's playing at a, a top five All Pro level right now. I mean, their secondary is looking pretty good. Um, Demarcus Lawrence is always Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, this is this is a Cowboys defense that actually is is striking fear into their opponents. I mean, Leighton Vander Esch, who would have thought he's really performing at a really good level right now at inside linebacker and. I, I really like the Cowboys right now. I think if Dak Prescott can find ways to get the ball in the hands of Zeke Elliott and, and, and other of his playmakers, they can figure out their wide receiver position. If they can get some separation and they can stop dropping balls, I think this Cowboys team can actually make the playoffs and potentially make some noise. Yeah, that division's total, totally up in the air, the NFC East. It, it'll be an interesting follow, and this week is is a pivotal pivotal uh, game. Another AFC, flipping back to the AFC, Titans at Chargers. That Titans offense is a mess right now. And conversely, Phillip Rivers is on a tear. I think L.A. wins by at least two touchdowns and drops Tennessee below 500. I agree with you. Tennessee is awful. Uh, they're they're really overrated. That defense, I know everyone wants to talk about how they have a top five defense, but I think that defense is a little suspect, to be honest with you. And I think that their offense their offense is probably one of, if not the worst team in worst group in the league and that's a surprise to to me at least because I really liked Matt LaFleur I thought that coming out of LA formerly serving as the offensive coordinator I thought he would be able to kind of take some of those schemes and concepts and bring it to Tennessee and really it just hasn't worked whether it's whether you want to argue it's a scheme or the weapons just it's just not worked so I I I think that Tennessee is going to get steamrolled yeah we'll see how the travel affects that game but Chargers are definitely a more talented team across the line Absolutely. Any final thoughts before we check out here? Well, just looking forward to the slate of college football games as well. Undefeated Clemson, undefeated NC State, Michigan and Michigan State, and then Mississippi State at LSU, a game chock full of prime defensive talent. Should be a nice weekend. Hopefully the Ravens can get the job done against the Saints and really springboard the rest of their season. I agree with you. This college football season has been incredible. There's so much to talk about, and I th- I'm really excited to break down this 2019 draft class because there's a lot to talk about, including horrible quarterbacks that everyone's going to overrate and o- and overdraft. But we'll get to that in a later episode. With that, we're out. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week, I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Kerryu, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. 
Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there. Support for Pivot comes from Polestar. At Polestar, every inch of every vehicle they design is thoughtfully made. They're made to transform auto performance, accelerating from 0 to 60 in less than 4.2 seconds with fully electric all-wheel drive. They're made to elevate the driving experience with LED headlights and a panoramic glass roof. And they're made to uphold a greater responsibility to the planet using sustainable materials and energy-saving systems. The result is a car that combines the best of today with the technology of tomorrow. Pure performance, pure design, Polestar. Design yours and book a test drive today at polestar.com.